Hey guys, welcome to our very first episode of Our Disposition, where we talk about philosophy and psychology and how they play into one another. My name is Alex. And I'm Rory. Psychology and philosophy are very, very deep topics that we like to talk about all the time. And we think that by talking about it over, you know, this microphone and sharing our thoughts with you guys that we could teach you guys something. Because we always have passionate discussions about these types of things and we think we have some really alternative ideas to what this could mean and how they could correlate with one another. Yeah, so let's start with pessimism. The definition of pessimism. Pessimism is basically the tendency to think negatively in anticipating outcomes. And the opposite of that is optimism. The definition of optimism is practically where you approach things from a very positive mindset to where instead of anticipating for the negative and immediately instinctively thinking the negative is going to happen, you think the opposite. You think that the positive is going to happen. And that sort of fuels your future decision making for certain situations. Yeah, and the two go hand in hand. I mean, they're very important in nature. In um, primal times, people actually needed a lot of pessimism, and it was actually the more dominant side. People would anticipate a negative outcome, whether like it's looking at an animal that's approaching them and thinking, oh, this animal is probably going to attack me, so I should <laughs> definitely hide. Yep. Or I should come up with certain ways to make it so that animal's not going to attack me, like making fire or making weapons or shelter or something like that. A lot of that was fueled by expecting the most negative worst thing to happen and that's what fueled a lot of our advancement and if you think about it a lot of our advancement and just survival instincts and civilization etc etc and technology yes and in technology well i think some of that has to do with optimism as well but we will get into that in some time that way of thinking really really did help us in a lot of ways but at the same time you also need optimism to help progress your mindset yeah, that's a really good point. Here's a question for you. How do people become more of a pessimist or more of an optimist in their life? For me personally, I tend to think that there is a lot of complexities that goes into that. I think some of them can be the way you were raised, uh, the situations people found themselves in when they were younger, you know, going through things. I think learned behavior is one. I also think uh, there's some genetic play to go in there. I think if you're, at, if you have a certain set of genetics that are more prone, you know, you're more at risk for things like depression or anxiety. I think that could attribute to an, a pessimist. I think that there's a lot of things that goes into kind of like the mindset that you decide to manifest. Yeah, that's true. I think that also the belief in luck could have something to do with that. Like, yeah, you know, if people think that they're lucky or inherently unlucky they tend to be set in one mindset or the other if they think that they're inherently unlucky they might think in a pessimistic mindset and they just might believe oh well everything has happened so far very negatively i think this is how my life is just going to be it's just how it's supposed to be and that's another thing some people think that their life is set in stone and if things in the past were very bad bad then that's how the future will be yeah i could see that or at other times in the in the more opposite end of the spectrum i think that people who tend to have a lot of good things happen to them really early on in life and especially if they were raised in a more loving environment or environment that's very stable they probably grow up and are raised to have very high expectations of life 
and sometimes those high expectations can be a little unrealistic, maybe a little too idealistic, and they're more prone to be a little bit reckless, or they do impulsive things that to people who are more accustomed to a pessimistic style of thinking would just never do. But I feel like because those types of people was in that environment, they tend to have a more optimistic mindset. Yeah. And also, when you believe that you have control of your future, as I was saying earlier, this is called a locus of power. It's the idea that you have control of your future. You can change the outcome of what will happen with your current actions in the present. So this could also be attributed to the belief in God. Some people believe that God has created a timeline for you and that's how it will go. And maybe that timeline is inherently optimistic and that's just how it's been and that's how you think. Or maybe the contrary is true. It really depends. Yeah, yeah. I really feel like people who tend to believe in some type of higher power, whether that's religion, spirituality, manifesting your actions and hoping that what you put your mind to and what you speak is going to happen. I feel like just those things in general tend to benefit people towards the the positive, towards the optimistic side, because when you tend to believe that, kind of building on what you were saying with the locus of control, I feel like at times the opposite of the locus of control, kind of like how things are kind of meant to be, let's just say that, Uh, there's a lot of people who are under the belief that everything is meant to happen the way it's supposed to happen whether you know good things or bad things that happen to you an optimist will tend to believe that if something bad happens to you that you can think about it not instead of thinking about it negatively you can think about it positively and you can think about what you did learn from that situation and you could not repeat that in the future so in a way that negative thing actually benefited you I feel like that can also be a thing, but a lot of people tend to not do that, especially with a pessimistic attitude. That's very true. That can definitely be something that plays into how you view the world and your mindset. I think another thing is self-esteem. If you tend to think highly of yourself, you tend to be more of an optimist, whereas if you tend to think lowly of yourself, the contrary is true and you tend to possibly think as a pessimist and i think a lot of this has to do with society standards which is a whole nother thing that we probably won't get into in this episode there's a lot that goes into like how someone's self-esteem is developed and kind of set in stone there's just a lot of things that goes into that i think viewing yourself is one thing but it's also ties into what we said earlier with the whole how you were raised or your behavioral patterns that can play into it Yeah, it's also like how you view the world. Yeah, and um, I feel like also that a lot of people tend to get stuck in their like internal worlds and they try to apply what they internally feel on the outside world, in the external world, if you could say. But self-esteem is definitely one that really, it matters a lot in shaping the way you view the world, especially when it comes to like thinking about being an optimist or a pessimist. How would you say people develop a high self-esteem what do you think contributes to the idea of self-love and how one can love their flaws or love their whole being and like learn to love themselves and not let their insecurities rule them well that's a very good question i think that's also something that should be put on society today i think that society has a lot of 
way too high standards or just very specific standards not necessarily high just they're very subjective they are very subjective and if you take the example of school kids are taught in a very subjective manner where they are taught to take tests and to study for those tests just keep studying and it doesn't really challenge the mind it's a very specific type of intelligence that is being tested I also tend to think that with our education system and the way kids are taught in school, that they're taught in a very narrow way, but they're also they're they're taught in a way that's very uh, conscious. I I also feel like schools know what they're doing and teaching these kids the way they're taught. They're kind of not teaching them to train their intelligence. They're more so training them in the moment to remember. For example, the multiple choice test has been proven that it doesn't really test your actual conscious intelligence whether you know how to retain information in an efficient way it all it teaches you is how to retain information like the most amount of information in a short amount of time which honestly just tests your memory and long term that does not benefit your your intelligence or your growth in learning at all and yeah yeah, that's a really good example because i feel like a lot of kids have low self-esteem in school because they think just because they fail in a multiple choice test, it shows that you know the school's trying to tell them that they're not smart or they lack the they lack the knowledge. Yeah, that's very true. And there are certain subjects that aren't taught in schools, like music. And people might have a knack for music. They might have a knack for acting. They might have a really good eye for art. And those things aren't being prioritized in schools. It's just a different type of intelligence that are being taught in schools. And some people just aren't naturally meant for those. I definitely feel like there's no such thing as one type of intelligence because a lot of people can possess different types of intelligence like practical intelligence, which is more like, you know, facts about things, about practical facts, about practical things, basic common sense things. There's emotional intelligence and social intelligence, which more of you can really understand emotions very well and you're really gifted at reading people. There's also artistic intelligence where you just, like you were saying a minute ago about how some kids just have a knack for more artistic inclinations like music or painting and drawing or theater or just expressing yourself in some way. And I feel like the school system tends to not favor that because that encourages creative mindsets and more alternative ways of living. And whatever the reason is, I don't know whether that's because they don't want people to be different. They want everyone to be the same. I don't know. That's a complex one. The United States school system, I'm not sure about other school systems, but us in particular, we have a very, we have a standard for every school on a national level and then on a state level and then on a local level. So every school needs to meet those standards before they move on to do what they, what else they have in mind, whether that's funding an art program They have to make sure that they fund everything to hit the general requirements from the state and the local government and the national government. And I feel like that does prevent a lot of students from discovering their actual true passions. For example, if you take Finland's school system in consideration, they give a lot of freedom to the the students and they don't have hardly any homework. Most days it's no homework. They don't have a lot of time at school. And in the time outside of school, they're encouraged to explore their own interests. Whatever sticks out to them, they just should go and find their passion. But I feel like in the United States school system, there's not a lot of room for that. 
were very much so based on an outdated system, basically meant for factory workers. I was thinking that earlier. That's a really, really insightful point because if you think about it, a lot of the way the United States school system is, like you go to school really early in the morning, you sit in a classroom in rows, you raise your hand, you know, you're, you don't speak till you raise your hand. You have a certain time for lunch. You have very limited rules and very, very strict rules, very strict freedom. Everyone is taught the same way. If you think about that, you can also realize that they're doing this on purpose to train them to be in a factory because, or not necessarily a factory, but some type of conformist type of job where everything is uniformal. In that mindset of a factory worker, I think you're trying to say. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, the mindset. Not necessarily becoming a factory worker, but just the mindset of doing what you know and just overall conforming. And I feel like when you have a school system like Finland's, or honestly any really of the northern slash, would you say Western Europe too, or just a lot of Northern Europe? A lot of Northern Europe and Western Europe. Okay, because I know Finland's school system is like that. Norway's and Sweden's is kind of like that as well. Denmark has a really good school system like that too. Just a lot of those Nordic countries. Same with Iceland, I'm pretty sure. They support less uniformity, and they're more in support of a more diverse population of types of intelligence, and they, they encourage that, and they, they're aware of that, and they support that. And I feel like that's why they probably have such a high satisfaction rate when it comes to things like happiness, low rates of depression and anxiety, just overall a more satisfied emotionally population that's absolutely true and even in my time in switzerland when i studied abroad for a year went to high school there the system was very well thought out it was where students would pick their path kind of like in college like a major they would pick their path of what they wanted to dive more deeply into they'd have their general education and then they would have something that was more specific that they would take more classes on, and actually study harder in. In my instance, it was physics. I didn't necessarily study too hard in that class because I was working on my French, but what I saw from my peers is that they were much happier. They were much happier picking a subject that they were actually interested in. Passionate about. Yeah, and schools really encouraged that. They also really encouraged taking an art path, whether that's music or visual arts or drama even. There's just so much more options to explore. Anyways, I think that we should sway away from this topic because we've gone a little bit too much of a sidetrack. What do you think is the ideal mindset? What is the ideal mindset to have? I think the ideal mindset is balance. I think that when you have a balanced mindset, not only are you harnessing the pros of optimism, but as well as pessimism, because this is a thing not a lot of people like to really think about. But pessimism, if you approach it with a more balanced mindset, with some optimism, you can actually flip those pessimistic tendencies on its ear and kind of approach them with a different mentality. For example, if you analyze your flaws, which I know nobody likes to do, uh, me especially, because I'm such a perfectionist, (laughs) when you analyze your, your faults and your weaknesses and things you don't necessarily like too much about yourself, instead of just letting the negative emotions hit your body and you just think oh like i'm never like these things are bad about me if instead you think maybe there's ways that i can improve on these or there's things that i can fix about these then you kind of have an optimistic mindset a little bit 
And then you can start to think, okay, I'm going to put my energy towards fixing these flaws or not necessarily fixing, just being aware of them and knowing that they're there. Because I also feel like everyone has good and bad things about them and that in a lot of ways that's what makes us human. But if you know about your bad things, or not bad is a very subjective thing to say, your flaws or your cons rather, if you choose to approach them with a different mindset, you can actually benefit from pessimism. Absolutely. And I think that your optimism, in a way, this is going to sound a little bit weird, but your optimism helps you figure out your pessimism. Mm -hmm. It's like when you use pessimism to find your flaws, you look at your flaws and you're like, okay, these are my flaws. I have these flaws. But if you approach those flaws with a pessimistic outlook and you say, oh, I have these flaws and I can't do anything about those flaws, then that, that can increase anxiety and depression and course it's just it's just not ideal but when you approach those flaws with a an optimistic mindset you can actually go in with the mindset that you can do something about those flaws you can improve that or you can just embrace them simply embrace them because that's a part of you and flaws are what makes us human nobody is perfect as much as we would like to be it's just not the case that's just not the way life is supposed to be experienced honestly if everyone was perfect and if nobody had flaws then the world would be, in a way, you wouldn't be able to recognize what a good thing is and what a bad thing is because obviously you're always going to have that yin and yang type of energy where there's going to be good things that happen to you or there's going to be things you like about life and there's also going to be things that you don't like about life and things that are that are going to be wrong. Yeah, it'd be a dystopia. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. People thought that everything would have to be perfect everything would be in a perfect order you'd always have to be having everything right no mistakes it'd it'd be a dystopia it's not possible it's not realistic it isn't and there's a study that's kind of funny where where people were listening to the same audio but in different ears so one group of people they were listening to an audio the audio in their left ear the other group listened to it in their right ear And the audio was basically saying sunscreen is very, very useful in protecting your skin against the sun. And if you don't do that, you are more prone to skin cancer and just uh, loads of bad stuff that you don't want. And when they listened to this in the left ear, they were actually more likely to take action. And the reason for that is that the left side of your body is actually more controlled by your pessimistic part of your mind because the right hemisphere of your brain is actually attributed to pessimism. And also, when I say the hemisphere of your brain, it's like you're looking at someone. Imagine that someone's in front of you, and when you're analyzing their face, the right side, so your right is your left hemisphere, and their left is the right side, if that makes sense. You can Google it if you don't, if we're still confused. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit confusing to explain, but anyways... The one concept that you have to understand is the left side of the body is attributed to the pessimistic mindset, whereas the right side of the body is attributed to the optimistic side of the brain. Those who listen to this audio on the left ear, they were actually more likely to take action against this and they took it more seriously because the part of the brain that was perceiving this was listening to it in a pessimistic way. So they thought, hey, let's do something about this. This could be very, very bad. Whereas people listening to it through the right ear thought, 
well, it can't be that bad. It really didn't make much of a difference to them. But naturally, it makes a big difference when you when you really look at how your brain itself reacts, which in turn is yourself, because you are your brain, your brain is you, your brain in a lot of your ways is your personality and, and your mindset. Your mindset's your brain. So in that way, it matters. So I definitely understand that. If you also think about the in the past, how people really didn't like people writing with their left hand, they would force children to write with their right hand, even though they're left-handed. If you think about that, it's kind of ironic because it kind of plays into what we're talking about right now because the left side of the body is attributed to pessimism and I don't know, maybe they thought of that and was like, the left arm is bad, you should not use that. Just like in Indian culture where people use the left hand to do their personal business, their personal endeavors, maybe after the toilet or, you know, and they would shake hands with their right hand and that was considered impolite if you used your left hand to interact with people. Yeah, and that's really interesting. One thing I would really like to talk about is overdosages of too much optimism or too much pessimism. And what I mean by that is when you get into habits or when when you perceive situations in a certain way, what tends to happen is there can be such thing as an overstimulation to either side of the brain, either the right hemisphere or the left hemisphere. And what that could mean is that when a certain part of your brain that correlates to those two things, if you use it too much, or let's say put too much energy into them, you can get, you can have things happen to you. And what I mean- Chemical imbalance. You can have a chemical imbalance, yes. And what I mean by that is if your right hemisphere of your brain, left side of your body, gets too much stimulation, you are more prone and you're more at risk to things like anxiety or depression or low self-esteem or just a pessimistic attitude. Whereas on the contrary, if you have too much stimulation in the left hemisphere, the right side of your body, you know, the optimistic side, you're, you're more prone to things like mania, which, which can be correlated to things like impulsive recklessness, taking too much risks, which can be a bad thing. So you're more prone to more dangerous behavior that could maybe get you injured or in trouble, just just out of balance. And that's why it's really important going back to the whole balance ideal mindset is you should have a balance of those two things because when you have a balance of those two things, not only are you more quote unquote realistic, more ideally realistic, but you are giving yourself the best chance to kind of operate in the best possible way that's absolutely true there was a study done at uc davis actually my school it was done by a woman named miss ledgerwood and well she was doing the ted talk i just listened to the ted talk she did all the work so did i yeah and the study was really interesting the one that stuck out to me the most was there were two groups of people and they were both given the same scenario where there was a imaginary governor in an imaginary town and the first group was told that this governor being in office, there was a 40% increase in jobs gained. And the first group reacted very positively. They reacted very optimistically. They thought he was doing a good job. And the second group, the second group was told that there was a 60% loss in jobs, that 60% of the jobs were lost. And the group, as you would expect, reacted very negatively, very pessimistically. They thought that he was doing terrible. This is where the experiment gets interesting. After that statement, each group was given an opposite statement 
to the one previously been received, which was the first group was then told that there was a 60% loss in jobs. So pretty much what the first question was to the second group. And instead of reacting positively again, they reacted negatively. They went from a positive reaction to a negative reaction. Whereas with the second group, instead, they were given a more optimistic statement, whereas it mentions that there is a 40% increase in jobs. Instead of reacting positively, they still had the same negative mindset. And pretty much what she learned from that experiment was that it's really easy to get stuck in a negative mindset. And it's really easy to only, when you only know negative perceptions, it's really hard to then think optimistically in reverse. And instead of that, when you already think positively, it's easier to think negatively if it's then flipped like that. And what that also means is that it takes more mental effort to think positively than it is to think negatively. Yeah, it's kind of like a glass half empty, glass half full sort of scenario where people see one way or the other. And in this case, it it does show that it is very hard to get out of a negative mindset. When you hear about the negative fact, it's hard to switch to a positive outlook on it. I think that we can both say that we have definitely developed into more of an idealistic mindset. Optimistic as well. Optimistic. For me, the best mindset is very well balanced but also leaning more optimistic. It's where you use both pessimism and optimism, which in essence is realism, but also leaning more optimistic. Studies actually show that when you think more optimistically, things can actually go your way. What was unexplainable is that some people who think optimistically in their everyday life, whether that's overly optimistic or maybe just a little bit more optimistic as opposed to pessimistic, they actually had signs of better physical health surprisingly and mental health which is no surprise yeah that's really interesting you say when you before when you mentioned the idealistic part because i have this little personal theory about how optimism and idealism and kind of enabling your imagination and your more intuitive kind of just the side of your personality or like the side of thinking that doesn't seem to be real actually can assist you in a more positive way of thinking because when you think about it pessimism tends to be heavily correlated with having a more quote-unquote practical and realistic way of thinking and when you have too much of that people tend to be pessimists i've learned and i've seen that more people who are have more realistic mindsets tend to be more tend to approach situations with more negative views or as people who are incredibly idealistic or have a strong imagination and they're kind of out of touch with reality a little bit, tend to have better tendencies for optimistic thinking. Yeah, that makes sense. In my personal experience, I have definitely shifted more into my ideal mindset of mostly realism with a hint of optimism, as I like to say. I used to view the world very pessimistically, and I used to think that, well, things aren't going to go my way anytime soon, so I might as well just sulk in the sadness. But eventually, I worked on myself. I figured out how I can think about things in a more positive mindset. I figured, well, if things are going to be this bad for me anyway, I might as well look at it in a positive light. For example, what have I learned from this negative experience? What have I learned from the situation that I'm in? And I think this mindset has definitely helped me a lot. And it 
don't get me wrong, it was not very easy. It took a lot of work to develop this mindset and to become more of an optimistic thinker in general. I think that everyone who thinks in a pessimistic way or overly optimistic, it does it does take work and it'll take time. But for me personally, I think it was the best thing that I could have ever done. I think that I'm in a very much more content state of life. Before, a lot of the time, I thought that things weren't going to go my way and that I had no control over that, whereas now I know, I, I think at least, that I do have a lot of control over my future based on the actions that I do in the present. You just triggered a light bulb in my brain when you said contentness. <laughs> I feel, and I will preach this till the day I die, um, content is what I believe should be the goal when it comes to a balanced mindset. I feel like people who have too high expectations in life and they try and shoot towards happiness, which is a super, if you think about it emotionally, is a super high high because happiness, let's get real, is one of the best feelings you can feel. Genuine happiness. There's a lot of scientific reasons behind that and there's also a lot of philosophical reasons behind why happiness is the most desired feeling in the world. But I'm going to keep it very short with this one. Happiness tends to be the ultimate goal for most people. That's what fuels a lot of, you know, hard working. That's what fuels a lot of ambition. That's what fuels just a lot of people is happiness. And I feel like that that tends to be a not so idealistic or balanced way of approaching life because life isn't happiness. Like there's a lot of life where you're not going to be super happy all the time. You're going to have days where you're feeling very content or mellow. And that's why I think, and sad too, which is why I think that when you shoot for more contentness and just being stable and calm and balanced, you know, in the 50-50, because if you think about it from like a zero to 100, happiness is like your 70, 80, 90, 100. Like you're just feeling amazing. And your depression, your sad days is like your 30, 20, 10, you know, that kind of thing. I think you should shoot for more of a 50, you know, right in the middle because you're not too happy with, you know, the way things are going, but you're not like too sad either. You're just right in the middle. So you have really no room to complain about things aren't going your way, but you're also not thinking, oh, I don't have anything good going for me. I think also people get caught up in the idea that contentedness is happiness. It's not. It really isn't. But that's a good point that you make because... As I said, people get caught up. They get mixed up. They think that happiness is the ultimate dream. And it just simply isn't. Like right now, I feel very content in life. So do I. I feel that happiness does come. It does come every once in a while. But I think it's it's not so much as a mindset. It's more of a sparks of happiness. It's like It's just like sadness. I'm not sad all the time. I'm not in a constant mood of sadness which is otherwise known as depression. Well, not so much. It can also... Kind of an ironic kind of statement to what you were saying about being sad all the time because usually when people are depressed, one of the first things they say is how sad they are or how sad they feel all the time, constantly. Yeah, that's another good point. You can get mixed up with the feelings of depression and sadness. Mm -hmm. But I think it really is a scale. It's, It's like... Maybe contentedness is in the middle. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's more towards the optimistic side, more towards happiness. I don't know. But when you strive for that, I think it it will make you much more happier, much more content. 
actually is a better phrasing for that because like when you strive for happiness as you were saying it is very unrealistic to be constantly happy it's also very unrealistic to be very sad all the time because they're both human emotions and they're both normal in life and we're going to experience them nonetheless like no matter what yeah yeah i agree with that i also feel like that's why there's some people that that can fuel some pessimism some pessimistic ways of thinking where if you just expect the best to happen all the time all the time and obviously all the time that's not going to happen because life is unpredictable you're going to be in the habit of thinking since i can never achieve happiness nothing is ever going to be quote unquote good you're just always going to approach your everyday life with thinking if i can never achieve happiness there's going to be no point in making the effort whereas when you approach it with a more when you tend to approach things with a more stable attitude bad things do happen bad things subjective whatever that means to you you can honestly approach them a little bit more optimistically we were continuing with that whole balanced ideal mindset Whereas if you think in the middle and you think more contently or you have, if you shoot towards more contentness rather than happiness, the bad things that happen to you seem less bad. Whereas the good things that happen to you feel that much more good and you can feel, they feel more rewarding. And the negatives feel more normal. A lot of people get uncomfortable with sadness or Which depression. It, yeah. But it's, it's, honestly, it's regular human behavior. Happens to everybody. And the differences between healthy and unhealthy views of it is when you get caught up in it and you think that's how it's a very bad way to be because it's not necessarily bad. It's bad to be sad for very long periods of time. And it's definitely possible to get out of those periods of time, but it's very normal. It's a very normal human experience. And I think taking the necessary steps to get out of those mindsets out of uh, sadness it's it's very not easy it's very it can be very difficult and it, it is can difficult. be very intimidating but i think that some things like therapy writing down your thoughts in a journal or literally something that is very simple as drinking water every day that can be very ven- beneficial to your mental health yeah yeah having proper not having proper Having good nutrition and taking care of your physical body, from my personal experience, has benefited me a lot when it comes to becoming more of an optimist. Going back to the whole personal experience thing you were talking about earlier, when it came to my personal experience with pulling myself out of a pessimistic attitude, I used to suffer massive, massive depression. I was an incredibly anxious person, and I didn't know how to pull myself out of it. There are some things that happened to me throughout my in the last couple years in my life that really made me want to think optimistically. And I don't want to get too deep into that, but essentially what the conclusion was is I was looking at all the bad situations that were happening to me and I kind of kind of what Alex was saying earlier, what what can I learn from this? What did I benefit from this? How can I make it so this doesn't happen in the future? I subconsciously started to think optimistically. I started to, you know, exercise a little bit more. I started to eat better. I started to get more sleep. I started to stop hanging out with the people that were making me feel depressed and making me feel pessimistic all the time. I started to surround myself with people who were more encouraging, who were more positive, people that made me feel better. 
and I just subconsciously noticed a difference in myself. It wasn't even conscious. It was just, I just noticed change. And when I was aware of that change, going back to the realism and the pessimism and the optimism balance, I looked at the pessimistic things that were happening to me and I was starting to approach them with a more optimistic mindset. I thought, okay, these things happened to me, but now these things are happening to me and I want to keep making those things happen. So I just from there started to grow my mindset and that's one thing that really helped me. Yeah, the same thing happened to me. I used to struggle a lot with anxiety. I still do, but I used to think of it as a very bad thing. It was something that I didn't want to feel and never like ever thought it was normal. But then my mindset shifted. I started to realize that it was a very normal feeling. It was something that a lot of people experience and it's something that I just have to come to accept. And I I don't remember how I started thinking like this, but I started to think, okay, well, now I'm going to not embrace this feeling, but I'm going to observe it as it comes. And I'm going to think, well, what's causing this? And I'm going to try to focus on that. And I'm going to try to get myself put myself in situations that make me feel better. And at the same time, putting myself in uncomfortable situations, not too uncomfortable, but in a place where I grow as a person. And that really helped me with my anxiety and For becoming sure. the person that I am today. That's really powerful stuff, man. Another thing that we could talk about is give you guys some tips on, you know, kind of baby steps into how you can pull yourself out of pessimistic habits, not necessarily mindsets, but habits, because I'm going to be real. Everyone has bad habits of thinking negatively. I still have mine on certain days. But one thing, one thing that really helps me is being much more present in the moment. I am a very forward looker and I am in the bad habit of just thinking way too deeply into the future. I am not a person that will relish in the past. I know a lot of people are, mm -hmm. but you know, this can be applied to forward lookers or past lookers or backwards lookers, if that makes sense. Um, being more present in the moment, being more present helps so much, not just consciously, but subconsciously. You're able to let go of things easier you're able to accept things easier things just feel better to you and being more in the moment allows you to let go of all your worries whether they're of past worries or future worries being more in the moment helps you be more content and it's the same with me something that's helped me actually achieve that be more present in the moment is meditation and that that might not be for everyone and it's definitely not something that I thought it was when I first thought of meditation. I used to think it's, oh, just sitting on some pad and like closing your eyes and crisscross applesauce, that sort of thing. But it, it doesn't have to be. It can be you just lay down before you go to sleep in your bed and you just think. You just observe your thoughts. Let them pass as they come. And you feel out your thoughts. You feel out your body. You feel just everything. Just be aware. And it's definitely helped me with that same mindset in my everyday life. When I'm, I don't know, hanging out with my family or my friends, I definitely exhibit a lot of, not necessarily meditation, but just self-awareness. And it's definitely made me less anxious and able to live more in the present. Right. Uh, building on what you were saying with the friends and family, 
One other thing I would heavily recommend is to surround yourself with people who make you feel good. I'm mm-hmm. not saying they make you feel over the top happy and just overly stimulated all the time. You just need to find and surround yourself with people who are encouraging, who are supportive, who you can be vulnerable with. Because a lot of people struggle to be their true selves and be authentic. And when you surround yourself with people who kind of give you the emotional freedom to be authentic, like you feel like you can be vulnerable, it really helps your conscious and releasing a lot of that stress or that depression because, you know, you forget where you are for a while because you're you're invested in other people's lives yeah and not people who put you down every time and like insult you or just bad energy all around that's just not what you want to be bad energy or just wrong intentions people who approach you with the intentions of just wanting to be there for you that helps so much and it goes so long absolutely also this might sound very cheesy but If you're going through something right now, just know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's not cheesy. It's not cheesy. It's very, it's very true. And maybe that's not a light for you at the end of the tunnel. Maybe it's a butterfly flying around in the sky and you just happen to see it and you're like, oh, maybe that's some hope. I like to think of life as a cycle. The light at the end of the tunnel is a good one, but I feel I've told people that in the past and they say that that's not a good connotation. I like to always think of life and just things in general as a cycle. Everything has a beginning and everything has an end. Not everything is meant to last forever. Everything everything has an expiration date. And when you harness that mentality, it's a lot easier to let go of negative situations or just negative emotions in general to know that they don't have to last forever, that everything has a beginning and everything has an end. It really makes you more vulnerable to change. And I think that's another thing that ties into all of this is just overall change. Change can be very scary and it can be very intimidating like you were saying a minute ago, Alex. Change can be a very terrifying thing because it's something new. And naturally our brains, usually most of the time, they tend to not know what's going to happen. There's a level of uncertainty and unpredictability. And that's where optimism can come into play. And if you think about that new uncertainty with more optimism, you can be more likely to take that risk for the better. Yeah, and it's very necessary to take those steps, I feel, as well. Like, if you take those steps and change, you take those steps and step out of your comfort zone and you experience those experiences that you might not have wanted to maybe five minutes before you heard this podcast i don't know take those steps take that leap of faith or maybe it's just a baby step whatever it may be i hope you can find it anyway i think we're really good on our time here we really hope you enjoyed our conversation this was very fun for me i don't if it was as fun for you it was absolutely fun i hope that someone actually listens to this and they think that oh well this was actually really nice to listen to because i'm going through something difficult right now or maybe they've gone through something difficult or maybe they know someone who's going through something that's my primary motivation you can share it with them but this has been a very raw conversation and that's something that we really want to strive for when making this podcast we really want to just talk between each other and we definitely want to hear your thoughts as well so if you have anything that you want to add or you have any ideas or you just want to say hi our email is our disposition at 
protonmail.com. We have an Instagram account and a TikTok account that you can reach from there as well. So I hope you had a great time listening to this. Make sure to share it with all your neighbors and have a lovely day. Bye. Peace out.